to the pastors, to the men and women without honor in their own hometowns. Neighbors roll their eyes and friends walk away because the fit doesn't fit like it did. You aren't invisible. Your service isn't unseen or unappreciated. Those hospital visits mattered more than you'll know. Those meals, those words, that wisdom, that rebuke that didn't go over well, that sermon that didn't even land with you, that ball game of your kids that you didn't get to see. To an all too thankless job, but one so well done, we say, thank you, pastors. Thank you. You are lamps on stands for everyone in the house, and it's so much lighter with you here. Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. Bob. Hey. It's good to see you, man. <laughs> it's good to see you too. I wish everyone could see us. Uh, you know, I'm 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 aware that this is like an audio medium, but uh, you know, we can see each other and and that's nice. You know, it, it, it we're nice. smiling and I feel like if everyone could see us, <laughs> they'd be smiling too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think people would really enjoy to see our smiling faces. Did you notice I'm in a new room today? I did. I yeah. did. Uh, you are no longer in the uh, the dungeon, as you call it. I like Correct. to think of it as it looks just like Dr. Strange's uh, basement <laughs> laboratory yeah. uh, from the Spider-Man movie. It, it's almost exact. Yeah. It, yeah. It is. I, I actually had a moment last uh, last week when I was down in the dungeon or in the, the laboratory yeah. of Doctor Strange where uh, I the spider that bit Spider-Man gotcha. literally came from underneath my chair and I thought, ah, I got to move upstairs. Like there's got to be. Get out of here. Yeah. So with my son being in college, I was like, you know what? He's got a desk. Uh, he can't charge me rent because uh, he's not here. So I'm going to kind of hang out and take over. So I feel it's like I have a window. I haven't had a window office ever. I mean, this is pretty cool. Very so, nice. Yeah. Good I can look you, outside man. and see things. And anyways, yeah, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to belabor it, but anyways, yeah. It, I wish people could see us cause they, they would just love the smile. So wherever you are, so. just know I we're smiling. So. We're smiling for you today. <laughs> and it's the beginning of Pastor Appreciation Month. That's yes. We're here like the... Rrr, rrr, like, yeah. You know? <laughs> that, that, that Appreciation Month that only pastors seem to know about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that weird Hallmark holiday that got shoved into the corners of the recess of some place. And there's like five people in the world that really know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like it, it is that weird thing because it, it, I wish they had done it, um, like opposite in the calendar, opposite Christmas. Like, so in the middle of the year, mm. cause you know, most, most pastors will get some kind of appreciation or bonus or something around Christmas, a gift from the church. Uh, and then, you know, having it, it's, it's like having your birthday and, and Christmas too close, mm. having pastor appreciation month in, in October. Right. Uh, you know, I think if they did it earlier in the year, it'd be better. Yeah. yeah. I and agree. Then, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you suspect maybe they did that be in honor of like Martin Luther or like, I'd love to understand wow, I the, thought about that. The history of pastor Pre appreciation month, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. Who started this anyway? Who did? Oh. I, I don't know. I, I feel like we can get our team of researchers on it. Um, 
All right. All we've, right. We've got quite a few. Or maybe we'll get in, the nerds and the geeks and unleash them on this one. Yes. <laughs> Good luck, guys. We hope you come back with something really cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it, uh, yeah, I know October in the churches I grew up in and even at my Bible college, October was always like missions month, mm. you know? Mm. Uh, and it was when you'd have the missions conference and we'd have the missionary speakers come and that was always October. Mm. So I don't know when that shifted to like pastor appreciation month, but, yeah. but I, you know, I, I, as much as I, as I kind of joke about like, this is the thing that nobody but pastors knows about. I. I actually, I, I think it's a good thing. I think pastors are chronically underappreciated. And so I'm, I'm glad we can lend our voices to just say, hey, thank you, pastors. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. And we hope you enjoyed the poem uh, at the very beginning that was done by our friend Caleb. And yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because when you think about it, we are very, you know, pastors are very underappreciated. But even in something like what we do, man, we just hope, we hope that every single week y'all turn in, tune in, whatever, download it, do your thing, um, that you do feel appreciated because we know, we know the hard work that goes into it and we know all the stuff that happens behind the scenes and we don't have to pretend like you only work one day a week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My my wife and I started watching um, a TV, uh, I guess it's a masterpiece theater show called Grandchester. Have you seen this? Bob? Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've I I watched a season of that. Yeah. <laughs> the the detective was like, you know, he was talking, he was bemoaning about the 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 vicar, and he's like, he only works one day a week, anyways. And I thought like that mm-hmm. is awesome. Even masterpiece theater is taking shots mm-hmm. at us pastors. Like what in the world? Now, anyway, so yeah, we here we are. Um, we are going to do a couple of things for Pastor Appreciation Month. We've got um some of the books that. We have accrued over this season, um, even some interviews that we're going to do. We want to do some giveaways. Um, and so a couple of the giveaways are going to be happening on Wednesdays. And so this is what you're going to need to do. Uh, you are going to need to uh, subscribe or, you know, yeah, subscribe slash leave us a review. Uh, just take a picture of it and then email it to Dustin at KairosPartnerships.org. Um, and then we will enter your name into the drawing and we will send you books or candy. We don't even know. We're going to send you stuff. You'll definitely get a book or two um, and a few other things. Um, J.R. Briggs was was gracious enough to, to he's going to give us uh, a bundle of all his books that he's written. And that's going to go away to somebody. And so we're just excited to kind of bless pastors uh, in this season. And and our our poet friend who wrote the uh, the prayer or the poem for pastors, uh, he has a handwritten copy of that that he would love to give away. So every Wednesday, uh, we're going to release a silly, fun episode uh, that is uh, probably uh, the greatest thing that has ever come out of these <laughs> recording studios. Uh, and it's really a gift of discernment when you think about it. We're we're looking at sermon titles or sermon series titles, and we're asking the question, uh, is this a sermon series title or is it a romance novel title? And so we brought in an expert um, who, man, like just so important. Uh, it's just important work. And so, yeah, so you'll be hearing that and then we'll announce who uh, the the lucky winner. So starting uh, starting next Wednesday or starting this Wednesday, actually, just yeah, send us in. We might only have a few people because you might think like, oh, I don't listen to Monday Morning Pastor until Tuesday. Well, guess what? There's still time for you. So please nice. get that in. 
Yeah. So with that, you know, Bob and I figured we would spend some time kind of unpacking a, a couple of things um, just that we've been thinking and and kind of working through. And and one of it was was really from uh, the conversation that we had a few months ago with Josh Brown before our, our little intro. Uh, we were just talking about um, uh, something that really pricked my imagination. And I said, Bob, I'd love to hear more about that. So Bob, I'm gonna let you kind of cue that up. And, and I'd love to just hear your thoughts on on what it was that that you mentioned. Yeah, I th- I think we were just talking about calling and calling to ministry and and I know at least for me my my views on this have have shifted radically over the years. You know, I f- I felt called to ministry at a pretty early age. It was 5th grade when I decided this was the path I was going to be on and that stayed pretty constant throughout the years. I mean, there was that time in, in eighth grade where I thought, well, maybe I'll just uh, live in a van and drive around and solve the occasional mystery. Mm. But other <laughs> other than that, you know, it's been ministry was a thing. But as I've gotten uh, a little bit older and further on, I think I think what I've discerned, especially as I just kind of look through the New Testament in terms of of calling, I think often what we do is we take kind of the special circumstances, the the exceptions uh, to the rule, and we try to make the rule about that. You know, a, a good example of that is is people in, in terms of like just trying to find the very center of God's will. I just have to know: Does God want me to go right or left? Does God want me to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt today? You know that kind of thing. And you find in in the New Testament that there are times when God said, "Go here, do this," but most often, you know that that was the exception, not the norm. Most most of the time, it was just, "Well, uh, we thought we would come visit you, and we'd plant a church, and then we'll move on to this other place." And you know, and unless God says, "No, go there or don't go there," you know, we'll we'll just kind of move ahead as we as we as seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us, mm. right? And I think with calling, a lot of it is the same. I'm not saying that nobody is ever called to a geographic place, to a particular people group, or even to a particular ministry. But if you look up the word calling in in the New Testament, there are two places where possibly it seems like it's a specific call to ministry, right? To to you know, Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Gentiles. Hmm. Yeah. But in general, every time the word pops up, it really is about living according to the calling that we all have, living up to uh, this. The and really, what it's talking about is 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 developing the the character of Christ. And I think when most of us talk about calling, um, we kind of we, I, I gosh, I, I was exposed to some Southern Baptists and. And gosh, we love our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters a lot, but there's a phrase that they would tend to use, which was, I surrendered to the ministry. Mm. Like I felt the call and I surrendered to the ministry. Like God had to drag me kicking and screaming. And, you know, I was, I was going to be a millionaire, Yeah, but I surrendered to the ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm a millionaire and a minister. <laughs> well, there are a couple, yes, there right, are a few, right, but, right, but again, yeah. the exception, not the norm. Um, yeah. And I just feel like the way I like to think about calling is just, you are called to be like Jesus in whatever you do. And if God has gifted you 
in terms of your temperament and your spiritual gifting, and, and he's created a passion for ministry in you, you ought to do that. You ought to follow that. Um, but if, it, if there ever comes a point where um, you can't do it anymore, it doesn't mean that you're not living, you can't live out your calling. You know, I think, uh, I think a lot of pastors get to a point where they are tired and they are burned out but the thing that keeps them going is the question of, well, who would I be if I weren't a pastor? Yes. And they don't know how to answer that question because their, their calling has, in a sense, gotten mixed up with their identity. And so what I try to do in, in my coaching and, and any speaking I get to do is just to disentangle the idea of your identity from not just the roles that you play in other people's lives but also from um, your work and your vocation. And ministry is that rare thing that kind of it on the Venn diagrams of identity and the roles that we play and the work and the vocation that we do, it kind of overlap. There's a lot of overlap. And I would just like to free pastors up to say, listen, if you want to keep being a pastor, keep being a pastor. If you want, if you feel like you need to do something different, that's okay. God's not going to love you any less, right? Um, I my hope would be that more and more pastors would hear that, not as like, oh, you mean I can go, <laughs> mm. I can get out of this thing, but rather like, oh, I'm not, I'm not trapped here. I can keep doing this, and I can do it um, because I want to do it because this is the way that I would love to serve God. But if for some reason something happens. I get fired. Uh, the church I planted doesn't make it. You know, something changes in our lives where I'm just unable to be in ministry anymore. Um, I, that's not a, that's not a, um, we, the phrase we use is DNF did not finish, mm. you know, and, and no pastor wants to be a DNF, a did not finish. And I think, no, the, the, the thing that you are meant to finish is, your formation as a, as a follower of Jesus, not a ministry in the institution uh, that we call the church, mm. you know? Mm. So I don't know. That's, that's just kind of how I've tended to think about it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It reminds me of a story. Uh, uh, quite a few years back, I had a conversation with uh, just some people that I know who were, who, who went through some really challenging uh, seasons of, of just moral struggle, moral failure, you know, some really hard stuff. And, and the Lord really brought them into this really beautiful place of just recognizing that, yeah, you know, like, uh, my family's healthy, everything's going well, but there just still seemed to be this calling. Like I need to get back to ministry and, and God's willing me. And I remember asking the question, and I remember thinking about this a lot, like, you know, are you willing to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry? And and it seemed like because the the ministry was the most important thing. Where it's like in in the person's mind, they couldn't see the fact that they were living out calling in a much more robust, deeper way. But it just mm -hmm. didn't have that title, and it, it's almost like that title became the driving force behind uh, the decision making of what the next step was to be. And, and yeah, I, I think it can be intoxicating. I think it, it can be a very unique space to feel like 
you have this role to play in a community where you are the person who's leading people to pay attention to God in responding appropriately, opposed to what Eugene Peterson says, you are one of the sinners among the many, helping yeah. people to, to pay attention to God and to respond appropriately. So yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's just interesting when that, when that title or that role becomes so attached to that call, you know, the calling is the vocation when it's like, man, that's, you're right. I, I've, same here, like reading the New Testament, what I see, and the story that comes to my mind is the story of Peter and and John walking to the temple to pray, and then they run into this guy, and they heal him, and all that stuff happens, or, you know, Philip out just doing his thing. He's supposed to be a deacon waiting tables, and then he's causing all kinds of trouble, and and he's just ministering to people. He's baptizing in people right and left. <laughs> what the crap, Philip? Like, come on, man. You got a role to play. But again, right? Like it's calling, like his Christ-likeness compelled him into these amazing spaces. And it's almost like, and I think that's it, right? Because people can hear what you just said and think like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't want to be a pastor. Oh, I can leave now. This is great. And it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, can we hold it loosely and realize that maybe God called me to pastor a church and maybe he's called me to pastor my work, right? Maybe there's this shifting in 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 what my vocation is, but the calling to to pursue the character of Christ and Christ likeness, that never leaves. Like that's with us until, you know, till the resurrection. Yeah. yeah. And uh I mean the 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 gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In yes. other words, God doesn't take them back. And so if you are a pastor and for some reason for a couple of years you got to go sell insurance, you are not any less called in that space to display the character of Christ, to minister to others, you know, you just have, it's just a, you're playing a different course at that point, but you're still playing the same game. You know, um, I used to, uh, I did, uh, most of an, uh, of an MA in counseling at one point in the early two thousands. And what was interesting to me was as I looked around at the other students, um, and I've asked some counselors about this and they all agree that this is, this is the truth, that this is probably uh, an accurate assessment. Um, as I looked around the other students who were in this cohort and, and taking these counseling classes, I think fully half of them were there to try to figure out their own stuff. Mm. In other words, they, they were all pretty, they had some issues, right? The other half were there. They were reasonably healthy people. They wanted to help others, you know? And it, it made me think, well, gosh, that means about half the counselors out there probably <laughs> <laughs> are a little nuts. All right. I say that to say this. Uh, I was talking to my friend one time who is an Anglican priest and uh, who's telling me the story of his ordination. And uh, they asked him during his ordination, why do you want to be a priest? He said, he thought about it for a second. He said, you know, I, I just, I, I don't think I could do anything else. And they were all like, oh, that's, that's a great, we love that. Yeah. You just feel so called and, and this is the course of your life. And that's just wonderful. And he was on the, he was on, on the drive home and he said, and he thought to himself, I think they misunderstood me. Cause what I was really trying to say was, I don't think I could be a Christian <laughs> if I wasn't like the ministry is, is I need the ministry, right? Mm just to help me, to, to form and shape me. Um, and I think, 
I think, that, Doug, that there are probably a couple different kinds of pastors, but among them are those that are, uh, they are pastoring out of mm. the overflow of their relationship with God. And I do think that most of us don't start there. Yeah. We start, um, we get into ministry because we want to serve God and, and be formed and shaped, but we're not ministering out of an overflow. We're ministering out of a deficit. And um, my encouragement would be if you find yourself in that place of like, yeah, I'm not even sure I'd be a Christian if I weren't a pastor. That's a, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. And it, it needs some, some introspection and some reflection. Um, I found myself in that place. I remember I was a youth pastor. And uh, I was sitting in my office and I had my Bible in front of me and I was struggling just to read it. And the thought came to me, if I weren't afraid that somebody was going to ask me if I did this regularly, would I be doing this? Mm. And in that moment, I realized the answer was no, I probably wouldn't. And that's when I knew I, I need, I need some interior heart change. I need something needs to shift in me. Um, and all that to say, uh, back to our original topic, ministry is formation. Hmm. And I hope that, that whoever's listening to this will recognize that ministry, um, I like to say that, you know, people say ministry is hard. I like to say ministry is hardening. It, it, it has the potential to shape us to be more like Jesus, it also has the potential uh, to shape us in a very different way. Yep. And we will go one way or the other with it. You know, we will either get um, softer and what well, the, the phrase I like to use kind of like on Friday night lights is uh, all right, thick skins, soft hearts can't lose. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to be shaped. That's what I want to let ministry shape in me is a thicker skin that's that's more self-differentiated, less yes. defensive, less, you know, bothered by people's opinions and critiques, but with a heart that is soft, that that has room for compassion for those that need it. The problem is I think too often what ministry forms in us is a very thin skin and a very hard heart. Yeah. And and that's what we have to be watching out for is is how am I being shaped by ministry. Yeah. And Bob, you're completely right in that word, that, that temptation to really, uh, to go one way or the other, right. That, that, am I going to be thin skinned with the hard heart? I mean, I can remember early on, there were quite a few times where it's like, I, I wanted nothing more than to walk away. Um, and it's interesting because what I actually found in, in that, in those seasons of just feeling really tired and really exhausted and kind of like frustrated with God is that there was this, there was this deficiency in my life with God. Like my life with God was so much about the things that I did. And I remember like having like, God, I did this for you and I did this for you. And like, I've been getting Mm. paid crap for years and like, blah, blah, blah. Like what, you know, Lord. Like I'm doing all this stuff. Like, what is going on? And it's just like that was one of those moments when I recognized uh, there's a deficiency in my soul. Like, there's something wrong here, because it's like, and I, it just, it felt so telling. 
um, in looking how my prayer life had moved that I just recognized that like, man, what if I, yeah, I mean, I think the big question for me was what if I can start to minister out of an overflow? Yeah. And, and it's neat for, I mean, I will tell you that my sabbatical a few years ago really was that gift and there, nothing magical happened. I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, any mountaintop experience. There wasn't like, other than some really great fishing stories and good family stories. Uh, it was just a legitimately a season of rest and I came back and it's, it's been like, yeah, it's been two years of just enjoying the work that's before me. But the funny thing, this is so true as well. And it's funny to me. I also don't feel this pressure of like, I got to keep it all together and all the balls go. I feel, you know, I feel like there is this deeper accountability, but there's, I don't hold this, this deep responsibility that I feel like I held in, in the years, especially during the pandemic of just like, how am I going to keep this thing afloat? What are we going to do? You know, what's going to happen? God, you better show up. I don't, you know, this zoom thing's terrible. Like, how do we figure this out? And it just felt like there were all these different spaces of just noticing um, yeah, I, I just, I was trying to control all these things that I just had no business in controlling. Yeah. Well, and that's the difference. The move is from feeling responsible for the church to feeling responsible to it. Yep. You know, there's, there's, I can, I can try to carry the weight of all these people's souls and their marriages and their walk with God on my shoulders and feel responsible for them. Or I can recognize that there's only so much I can control, and most of that is in in within my own body. You know, it's like it's me. That's is a very s- small s- circle of which in this world of, of things in which I'm in control. But I do have responsibilities to others, and if I have discharged those well, if I have taught them well and preached well, you know, I have to leave the outcomes in God's hands. You know, but but it's also a, a movement from um how can i put this ministry as my relationship to god mm. to ministry flowing out of my relationship with god and i think i think too many of us will too many pastors will at some point find themselves in that place of their ministry is their relationship to god they are in scripture plenty, but it's in preparation for sermons and teaching. You know, yeah. they are they are thinking about what God is saying, but they're thinking about it for other people. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's yeah, it's they're not ministering with God. They're like ministering for him in an attempt to, I don't know, get a pat on the head to please him, to um, and that that becomes their relationship yeah. with him, just ministry. And that's a, that's a problem. It's, it's the same idea of people who work in the corporate world when their boss is happy, they feel better about themselves. So yeah. they work harder and longer hours. And then what suffers is this, I mean, their whole life suffers in the sense of that. And I feel like it's such a deep temptation for pastors to do the same thing. It's like, well, God, I felt good because I, I received all this feedback that was positive when I did this, but it was at the the, the cost of this. And yeah. And it's hard. Like we do work in a time, I think all times are hard for pastors, whether it was in the 1950s or the 1930s or whatever, there's always something, there's always something coming up because we work with people. And as uh, I think it was Grover or one of the Muppets said, people's is people's. And there's, that's just the reality. Um, it probably wasn't Grover. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that, uh, was that Depeche Mode? <laughs> 
<laughs> people's is people so <laughs> that's true too <laughs> or, yeah yeah anyway but and you know i think about right like we're kind of having that the, the dark side of pastoral ministry conversation but i think even flipping it a little bit to say you know pastoral form past the the vocation of being a pastor has formed some really beautiful things in me oh absolutely like absolutely i mean i i honestly think that the 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 formation that ministry uh makes possible is up there with the formation that we have we experience in marriage in parenthood um and i think for some it could even even be more you know yes. it it's there's there's a it, i oftentimes i feel like uh in in preaching or in doing some things in the church i'm like i'm glad people are enjoying this but man i i'm i got more out of this than any of them did you know i am so glad that i had this time to set aside to think about what is god saying in this in this passage and what is he saying to me and what impact where might that overlap with what he's saying to this community yeah you know i'm so grateful for that just the possibilities um, that ministry affords us to think about our lives and to think about what God is doing and how he does it. Yeah. 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 I, I think about how just very simply hope, uh, I I'm one, I'm probably a person that is given more as a Gen Xer, you know, more towards skepticism and cynicism in, in, a, in many spaces, but pastoral ministry has continued to form in me this place of looking across the table to a marriage that's falling apart and honestly believing that Jesus can radically transform even this oh, yeah. situation. Yeah. And, and it's just been fascinating for me to, to look over the, the years, you know, over the, the 20 plus years of being invested in ministry and just realizing, man, I've sat through some really hard conversations and some of them have not turned out well, but, but a good majority of them have been these beautiful redemption and resurrection stories. And so when I read the story of, you know, the resurrection and people leaving in fear and trembling and not knowing what to do, I like, there's these stories that just come into my mind about the way that, that Jesus has showed up and just these powerful, you know, these, these unbelievable ways, you know, I, I think even just looking at looking at um, how it has shaped even a, a deeper appreciation of growing in a life of prayer, not for the sense of my, of, you know, all the other things, but just, I want to know Jesus more because I realize that outside of knowing Jesus, I don't have much to offer. I, I've come to the end of that rope and I've recognized my limitation. Like I'm, there's, I'm kind of a one trick pony. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff down. I mean, there is, but there's not, right? Yeah, but it's like the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I just get this sense of like, man, he just he loves me a ton, and he loves these people that I'm trying to faithfully love as well. And I have to continue to remember, like, this is his work that I'm partnering with, not my work that he's joining me in. Yeah, and and that has changed. That 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 has been a drastic change over the last 15 years of ministry, 20 years of ministry, because it felt like I better come up with some really cool ideas or else I'm in trouble. Uh, yeah. And I, 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 I think one of the hardest parts for, for pastors to kind of come to grips with is, is the difference between what they, what, what they thought ministry would be and what it is 
uh, the gap between what they think the church could and should be and what it actually is. You know, and the older I get, the more I realize that that gap is actually the space where God is at work, Ooh. right? Like, put it this way. If I want to learn how to forgive, I have to be in a place where people can wrong me, right? Mm. If, if I want to learn patience, I've got to be in that place where people are stepping on my toes and making mistakes and, and everything else. And if I want to build up muscles, there's got to be some weight on the bar. You know, you can't, yeah. you're not going to get, you, it's not good exercise if you're just, if you're holding up pencils above your head, you know, it's, it's, there's got to be some weight to it. And so uh, it, put it this way, a church without a church, a perfect church would form nobody. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the church without issues, the church in which nobody is, is ever angry at someone or um, the church that, that doesn't stress, uh, stress, out the the ministerial stuff, you know. Look, it's in those places that we um, struggle so much that that's where God is. That's where the formation happens. And if we allow those places to become the the seeds of disillusionment in us, that we're missing out on what on the formation. There's a yeah. book um, that I think is worth just the title of the book is worth the the price of the book. And it's called The Crucifixion of Ministry. And I mm. often think about just that title, The Crucifixion of Ministry, that yes, ministry is taking up your cross and following Jesus. I get that. It is. But it's that it's that that following is where we learn to be like him. Like if I can't take up my cross and follow him, I can't be like him. And ministry is a great place to do that. It it will form and shape you if you allow it into someone who loves people like Jesus. Imperfect people who are they gossip and they complain and they nothing's ever good for them. Um that's the only way that we're ever going to learn to love them is by being around them and and doing our best to follow Jesus in that way. And the church is perfectly suited for that. <laughs> yes, very, very much so. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. It's almost like a different way. Like, oh, you're a pastor. Yeah, I work in the church, and and it's funny because when you talk to other pastors, you know exactly what that means. Like, oh, you probably yeah. got some, some war stories, uh, or you're like Grandchester, like, oh, you work one day a week. Um, but I think that there's something really unique about the fact that, like, even in that statement, I think pastors we need to be careful not to be arrogant to think that ministry is the only place where where people pick up their cross and follow Jesus. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, stay at home parents, stay at home moms and dads do right. Like, and even in that space, it's yeah. it's the the formation. For, the formation of our vocation, right? And if our vocation is actually a calling to be Christ like, then all of a sudden our our jobs just become these formation stations uh, to just yeah. for for a way for us to see the character formed, um, yeah, patience formed and and hope formed and um, you know loving kindness and. Uh, yeah all those different things that I think we can't just sit around and, 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 and have those, like those, those aren't injected into us. And, and yeah. it's so funny how I remember being a kid and always hearing the the pastor warn people, never pray for patience. And it's like, 
now it's like, if you want patience, just be part of a church, like get yeah. involved in a volunteer team where you know more than the leader of that thing and just sit back and like, learn how to just serve and love one another. I mean, yeah. imagine that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, as uh, any, any last thoughts, Bob, just encouragements to pastors today as they're entering into a month where Bob and Doug know that it's Pastor Appreciation Month, but most other people don't. Yeah, I I would just say along with with what you were saying about um about the formation that's available to us if we work at a car lot, if we're a stay-at-home parent, yep. if we're a teacher. You know, God wants to use all these God wants to use work to form us, right? And my message to pastors often is is you're not called to ministry, you're called to 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 be like Jesus. If you are lucky enough to get to 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 get an education, to go to seminary, to work in a church, that's a cause for gratitude. That is a that that is something that God has allowed you to do. And one of the ways that we're gonna um, let's let's turn Pastor Appreciation Month on its head a little bit and say one of the ways that you're gonna learn how to appreciate ministry is just to be thankful for it, mm. you know, and to 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 take a minute in in the midst of all the hard pieces of ministry, and stop. Stop asking God, why is this happening? Why am I having this issue with this elder? Why is this this problem with this program happening? And instead, just start asking the question of what? God, what could you form in me through this? Uh, my relationship with my associate pastor is difficult right now. What what might you be able to form in me in this? You know, and and just be grateful for all the spaces where God is at work and is forming you both in the victories and in the hard places. Mm, amen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bob, I, I appreciate that so much. And I think that's, that's really the gift of, of what we have a chance to, the, the work that we get to do is, is such a beautiful way for us to be formed into his image. And, and yeah, like imagine if I just paused in the midst of whatever hardship and just smiled and say, God, thank you for loving me enough to like, invite me into this season of whatever for the sake of your glory and for the formation of my own soul so that I can actually understand what it's like to be more like Jesus. Mm. And I love that Jesus had no problem disappointing people. Uh, he had no problem saying no. I mean, pastors, like the, the person that we are modeling our life after, uh, he, he disappointed people. And, but ultimately like, man, he saved our souls and he changed, he changed history. And so, yeah, yeah. Pastors, I, I hope that you embrace this giant hug of wisdom from Bob, uh, this, this morning or this evening or whenever you're listening to it. And yeah, just be a pre like, we appreciate you. We see what you do. We know that it's hard. Um, but we want to remind you that, man, it, it, it really can be a gift when you, when you just have it in the right space. Yeah.